Good morning and welcome to each of you. Uh, to thank you to this hour of worship and glad to have you here with us today, all of you. But especially delighted to have folks visiting with us always. You um, honor us by <clears throat> um, electing to be with us in the part of our worship today. We hope that you will enjoy it and feel at home and uh, want to come back on many, many future occasions. You are most welcome here among us. Glad to have you here. A lot going on in the life of your church today. We are uh, inaugurating a children's program that starts this evening that will include a choir for preschoolers and another group for the school-aged children. Uh, as we look toward Christmas, some performance by them in the, in the days to come. But I want to make it very clear that you understand we've got a family night dinner, a catered dinner tonight, and everybody is invited. This isn't just for folks that are coming for the children or for Bible studies. This is for everybody, and we hope to have a big crowd. There have been some sign-up sheets around, uh, and there may be some in the back today, but um, I know that we have ordered extra food in, in anticipation that you might be able to be here this evening. Now, it is $7 a person for these uh, dinners that are catered, uh, I believe, by Lorinda down here. Um, but there is a family maximum of $25. So those of you with seven or eight kids are really going to clean up. Uh, so anyway, I do hope that you can be here tonight. Um, that is between 5 and 6 that we will be eating. And then the activities for children begin at 6 o'clock. There also will be two Bible studies for adults forming tonight. One is a look at the Old Testament book of Esther, and another is to look at the possibility or, or the interest of people doing disciples Bible study, which is the official United Methodist uh, study. Some of you have done some units of that before, and uh, this will be a new one. So we invite you to be here tonight. That will be from 6 until 7.30. Uh, after the supper, we will, we will do that. We have, um, today is the day of our Epworth Children's Home annual workday offering. We receive offerings on two days for our children at Epworth. One is Mother's Day and the other is the second Sunday of September. We remind you of our commitment to children um, in Columbia statewide, our Methodist uh, home there for children and it certainly um, deserves our support. My aunt was a house mother there and now my niece is a social worker there so I've got some special ties to that in a couple of ways. There will be no meeting of the Council on Ministries this evening or of the membership committee because of the special supper that will be uh, those will be rescheduled. The United Methodist men are sponsoring a pancake supper on Tuesday night from 5.30 to 7. You don't need a ticket. You can come and be admitted at the door. They'll just add more water to the batter and uh, spread it a little further. But it ought to be a, a good experience, a lot of fun. Uh, Tuesday night, 5.30 to 7. Uh, had a lot of fun and a big crowd last year. Hope you'll be here for that uh, as well. Tommy Stanton, are you in the house? There the man is. Tommy is the chairperson of our um, board of trustees and 
has word to bring to us regarding the, uh, the work of the trustees and the special project. We'll come here. As uh, I stated to the earlier service, timing is everything. Um, for those of you fortunate enough to go to Sunday school today, uh, the main purpose statement said to show that we can serve God even when we do not have all of our questions about God's ways answered. Um, even with the tough economic downturn that we've had, we still have to proceed with putting a new roof on the FLC building. Um, the trustees have had an issue with this building for numerous years now. We've, we've patched it. We've, we've done a lot of different things to try to help um, the problems that we have. If you walk over to the second floor now, there's probably 120 tiles that have been discolored or damaged. If you look in the light fixtures, there's several that have had standing water in the light fixtures. Um, and poor Lee Radline is now taking scuba lessons to get in and out of her office. So. Long story short, we've looked at a lot of different options of how to, how to proceed with doing the repair. Um, we have numerous problems. It's not just the roof, it's the shingles, it's the tar, and it's the uh, HVAC ductwork. Um, the total expenditures for our church, um, I wish we had just one line item we could slide over and do that, but it's about $115,000. Um, this is going to start hopefully within the next week or two. Um, it's going to be a four to six week process depending on the weather. Uh, we, we know it's not going to be aesthetically pleasing for a um, couple weeks, but we appreciate your patience with that. We have worked really hard with the CEP program to try to cause um, as little as pain there uh, as, as we can. Um, but we just would appreciate if you guys would prayerfully consider uh, any donations or tithes or special memorials. Um, to this project. Uh, it's something that is not a, a spur of the moment decision that it's been a lot of a lot of meetings, a lot of talks, and a lot of different uh, separate discussions of how we should should do this. So um, like I said, anything if you can make out to the FLC roof project, we do appreciate it. And I have a lot of pictures. I know a lot of people can't get up on the roof if you have questions to show you the damage damages that are up there. So um, we appreciate you uh, considering everything and if you have any questions let me know. Thanks. I have a feeling the speakers in the um, choir are not working, Mr. Soundman. I don't know if you know how to turn them up or not. I'd hate for them to go to sleep during my sermon without an excuse. Uh, thank you, Tommy, for your word and appreciate the work of the trustees. Let us now begin together our time in worship.
And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Amen. Creed, let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and stood at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. This time we invite the children to come forward to uh, join Kevin Duncan for a few moments of sharing.
Morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Y'all had a good weekend so far? That's great. I'm just going to talk to you a few things about this morning. I want to show you something first. I got a couple of them. I'm going to let y'all pass that around. What is that and what is this sitting right here? Y'all look at. What is that? Yes, it is a cross. Very good. Where do we see crosses today? Definitely in church. Where else do we see them? People sometimes wear them around their necks. Um, you see them if you drive probably out front of the church on top of the steeple. We see them a lot of times we don't even realize it. I know there's several in here, top of the flag right over there. What does the cross mean to us? What do you think about when you think about the cross? Absolutely. We think about God and we think about Jesus who, who died on that cross for us. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to tell you a little story. And it's going to show why the cross is so important to us. One day as Jesus and his disciples were walking along the road, Jesus asked them, Who do the people say that I am? The disciples answered, Some say John the Baptist or one of the prophets. And Jesus asked, And, who, and, and you, who do you say that I am? Asking to Peter. And Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Messiah. And as we know, Peter had given the right answer. If you think about the end of Jesus' lesson, but it wasn't. He said to keep it quiet and don't breathe a word of it to anyone. Jesus said, because it is necessary for me to suffer many terrible things. And as we know, he would be arrested, he would be tried, and he would be killed upon that cross. But three, day, three days later, we know that he would rise again, right? Peter didn't like that answer that God gave because, you know, he loved him so much he didn't want to see him die. And he took Jesus aside and told him to stop talking like that. Well, in the story, we see that Jesus reprimanded Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are looking at the things from a human point of view, not from God. Then Jesus called the crowd of people who had gathered around him to come join him and his disciples. And he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So what does this mean to us? Well, the way I see it, is that it means that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us as our Savior. And that took a lot, and it gives us a chance to receive Him and have eternal life. But sometimes we're, He's going to ask us, He's going to call us into action as Christians. And what we're going to have to do is pick up our cross and follow Him. So the cross, as we see it, as people wear it as jewelry, or we see it um, here before us, or cutouts on the wall, or on top of steeples, we need to realize that it's not just a decoration and it's not a piece of jewelry. It's a reminder of the Savior's great love for us and our call to follow Him when He calls us. Okay? I'm going to close this with prayer and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank You so much today for the love that You showed us and for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross. As disciples of You, Father, help us to take our cross and to follow You all of our days. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Our Old Testament 
lesson is Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is on page 750. It is uh, selection from Psalm 19, and it continues on over to 751. I invite you to stand as you are able as we share together this passage responsibly. <clears throat> the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice comes out from all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them God has set a tent for the sun, which comes forth like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and runs its course with joy like a strong man. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hid from the seed. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true, and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, and drippings of honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can understand one's own errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Also keep your servant from the insolent. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great Expression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Here now our epistle lesson for the day. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a, by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Here ends the lesson. There is coming a day when no 
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the hope we find in remembering that there is a glorious day that is awaiting all of us, that you have promised your followers a wonderful and bright and glorious eternal future. And we do celebrate that in the midst of everything else in life that comes our way that gives us hope and comfort in the roughest days of life. And we are so thankful for this. We are also thankful that life for us seems to be tied up in answering one major question. And that is the place of God in our lives and the presence of Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are thankful for the life that we find in Christ Jesus. We are grateful for the life abundant that we find in following Jesus, that his ways are wise ways and ways of, of a change for others and of service to others and ways of enlightenment and growth for ourselves. How wonderful it is for us to know that finding ourselves and life's meaning has to do with losing ourselves in caring for others in the name of Christ. And that as we turn our attention to our brothers and sisters in need, we find that we stumble upon life with all its meaning we are thankful for the goodness of Christ's love in our hearts who forgives us of our sins and remakes us into his image so that we become different people as life goes on. We become more Christ-like and more able to embrace and love those who are different from the way we are, even as we are different from your perfection Oh God, and yet you love us. How grateful we are for this. Thank you for placing within our hearts that deep question about life and then for being that answer in Christ Jesus, who is indeed our Lord and our Savior and our Messiah. We remember during these moments of prayer people who need your loving care and strength this day. For there are those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. There are those who are discouraged in life because of changes in the employment situation or a loss of a job. There are those who are struggling with decisions regarding the direction for their lives in the days to come. There are those who are sick, who need your healing. There are those who are anxious as they face a future with a serious flu epidemic going on in our world and with the threat of war constantly around us. Lord, whatever our need might be this day and the needs of those that we love who aren't here this day, we know we find in Christ the one who supplies our needs who meets those needs and supplies what we need every day. 
And so for all of us, we pray, Lord, give us our daily bread, that which we need this day. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving. <coughs>
Having grown up with, watching with my parents, Lawrence Welk, every time the Kamek singers sing, I want to have bubbles and say to them, thank you, lovely Lennon sisters. But uh, <clears throat> we do appreciate uh, their sharing music with us today. Um, I, I've almost gotten over what they did to me a couple of years ago when they went down to uh, Aldersgate United Methodist Church to the senior citizens group. And I tagged along, and they brought me up on stage and sat on my lap. And I forget what they sang to me. You got the cutest little baby face or something like that. I don't know. But uh, they uh, are quite in demand in our community uh, in various settings and groups. And we appreciate them uh, being with us today. I have uh, two places I want to read today for our gospel lesson. One is uh, an abbreviated passage from Mark chapter 8 verses 27 through 30, and then I'll read a passage from John. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you're the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And then turning over to John chapter 10, verse, beginning with verse 22. If you want to turn to that page, I'm getting to it myself. Looks like it is uh, somewhere around page 1667. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you, not, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Here ends the lesson. A father and son were talking one day when the father said, Girls, 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 that's all you talk about and all you think about. Son, girls are not the answer to everything. The son was quiet for a minute and then he responded, Daddy, they are if you have the right question. Well, one right question hounded Jesus all of his life. Are you the Messiah? That was the question that John the Baptizer sent message to Jesus to ask after he had been thrown into prison and was filling, uh, being filled up with doubts. It was the question that the Sanhedrin asked Jesus at Jesus' trial. It was the same question that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus 
and it still is the question we ask today. Jesus, who are you? Are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? Please tell us plainly. Why didn't he come out and tell us plainly? I think it is because some questions just can't be answered with a simple yes and no. They take more response than that. I have a friend who loves to be nearby whenever I am writing a check to someone because he loves to yell out, Arthur, are you still passing those bad checks? Well, the answer to that question is, is neither yes nor no, because I don't think I've ever written a bad check. I've always known how much money I don't have, and so I've been very careful about that. In Jesus' day, the term Messiah was so loaded with political and military preconceptions and misconceptions that a simple yes-no answer would not have been accurate. Some people were expecting another great king like David. Others were looking for another Moses or a prophet like Elijah. The Messiah should be able to, to get rid of the Roman army and to liberate Israel, everyone thought. Jesus, is that you? Jesus found those definitions of the word Christ to be rather limiting to what he wanted to do in his work. Those were not ways that he saw himself called to operate. In our day, the term Christian is often a loaded term as well. So loaded that I rarely directly answer a question if someone asks me, Arthur, are you a Christian? Without first saying to the asker, would you please tell me your definition? What are you asking me? I tell people that if they're asking, that, asking whether or not I believe that Jesus gave his life for me and that I have been forgiven through his name, then that's a simple question I can answer. Yes, that does describe me. But often when I ask them to, what they mean, they tell me some other things. Oh, you know, Christians think that they're better than everybody else. Are you one of them? Do you think that you're so good that you've earned God's eternal reward and you deserve to go to heaven? Did you have a dramatic conversion experience that rescued you from a life of evil? Do you believe that the Bible is infallible and meant to be interpreted literally? Do you believe that science has it all wrong at the, and that the world was created in six days of 24 hours each? Do you wear your hair and dress in a certain way? Were you baptized by being held under the water until you turned blue in the face? Are you a member of the right political party. Sometimes that's what the person is asking when they ask me, are you a Christian? Or like someone else described their Christianity, I don't drink, cuss, smoke, or chew, or run around with those who do. Well, if that's what you mean when you ask me if I'm a Christian, then I would have to answer no. Those definitions of Christian do not describe me at all. Jesus' answer to this question was so wise 
that he was not only able to answer it, but he redefined the term Messiah in the process. Rather than accepting the simple definition of those that asked him the question, he answered in a way that defined Messiah in terms of oneness with God, in terms of being a shepherd of sheep, in terms of his miracles and the work that he did. Jesus was God on earth in human flesh. He is, as we say in the Nicene Creed, God from God, light from light, being the same substance as the Father. To know Jesus is to know God in God's fullness, in all of God's attributes and attitudes. Jesus and God are one in purpose and character. Who but the Messiah would make such a bold claim? Jesus indicated those whose hearts were open to truth and open to God would recognize the Messiah in the same way that sheep recognize their shepherd. Now, I don't have any sheep, but it seems like ever since uh, I went into youth ministry back in the 70s, there's been a cat that traveled with us from house to house. Never have been able to get rid of one. When I finally did, John brought a stray home a couple of years ago. You know, our pets recognize us, don't they? Dogs will bark at strangers, but not at us. Cats will run and hide when a stranger comes, but they come out to see us. Last year when I went on the youth ski trip, I came home wearing a ski mask still pulled down over my face. Our cat arched his back and went into a panic mode and went off and hid until I moved my mask and was then recognized by my cat. Those who are close to the Father recognize the Son, Jesus said, in the same way that sheep know who their shepherd is. And looking at the Son, we see more clearly what God is like. Jesus claimed a oneness with God, and his messianic work was to make us one with God, to bring us to where we know peace with God. People frequently like to point out that that word atonement could be spelled with two words and then an, an adjective sort of, at one month, because the atoning work of Jesus has made us at one with God. A Christian is one who through Christ knows oneness with God and peace with God. Do you have this peace with God today? Do you feel at one with him? God has put an end to the conflict between humans and himself. When Jesus died upon the cross, that ended the war. You can know peace with God today. God himself, though, would give Jesus the highest, greatest endorsement as the Messiah when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Jesus also stated that his followers would attest to the fact that he is the Messiah. My sheep know me. And Jesus was reminding the questioners that as David was a shepherd who became king, so the Messiah was more like a shepherd than a king, not a warrior. His sheep would know his voice and know who he was. 
And because we are his sheep today, we should be able to testify to our world that Jesus is the Messiah. We know his voice. We can have a personal, wonderful personal relationship with the shepherd. Where did you learn about the Messiah? Where were you when you came to recognize Jesus as Lord of your life? I was in church, in Sunday school, in youth fellowship, and in worship. I was being taught by older and wiser sheep. Thank God for those mature sheep who already knew the shepherd. They took me into the sheepfold or the church and introduced me to the ways of the shepherd. And it is through them that I learned the voice of the shepherd. Thank God for those wonderful little old ladies who rocked me in the nursery when I was crying. And I was a crier, folks. Thank the Lord for Polly Smith, Miss Berry, Miss Chapman, Mr. and Miss Foster, Mr. and Miss Fletcher, Mr. Hammond, and the rest of those brave Sunday school teachers that put up with me all through elementary, junior high, and high school. Thank God for my pastors and my friends at church. They helped me learn the shepherd's voice and helped the faith catch hold of me. I had an absolutely wonderful experience growing up as a child and teenager at Bethel Church in Spartanburg. And the first thing I thought about when I was appointed here and came into the sanctuary was, this looks like Bethel. I'm home. We had a balcony that I slept in, I mean sat in, uh, on Sunday morning, Scott. Um, and so I know all about that. I was in children's choirs, youth dramas, even one youth variety show when I was in the 11th grade. We went on retreats together like Andy carries our teenagers now. We learned that there really could be nothing more exciting than the experience of Christ in our daily lives and helping others come into that same knowledge of the love of God. There were softball teams and basketball games where I could uh, expel and expend my energies. We youth just couldn't wait to get together each week to share our ups and downs of the last week to talk about what we had learned and to draw upon one another for strength. And we often spent time discussing the Bible. We wore out several youth counselors. We put one pastor in the hospital by overworking him. But while other young people were tempted to try other things in life, to try booze and drugs, most of us didn't feel that urge at all. We were just happy to be together. And we were able together to withstand those temptations. That youth group at Bethel back in the late 60s produced four preachers, several youth directors, and at least one highly trained choir director who went off to study at Juilliard School of Music and has been a music director at a church in Columbia for the last 25 or 30 years. And you know, faith is still the most exciting aspect of my life, thanks to those sheep that I continue to share the pen with. The Messiah was one who was one with God and the one who is our shepherd. A Christian is one who is one with God through Christ. 
One who is in that sheepfold with the other sheep. And if you want to know Christ personally as your Messiah, just stick with those wise older sheep. They'll help you learn his voice. Then Jesus said that it should be obvious from the deeds that he did who he really is. He did things that God only could do. He did some things that had never been done before. And then he empowered his disciples to go forth into the world and do those same things. He and they healed the sick. And we still are involved in the healing ministry of Christ today in people's lives. They cured mental illnesses. And the church has always taken the lead in that caring business. The church gave hope to the hopeless, food to the needy, and love to the unloved. He forgave sins, and we today offer his grace and forgiveness in his name. Our deeds flow from our oneness with Christ and our combined strength when we're together as sheep. Jesus' deeds testified that he was the Messiah. Our deeds should testify that we are his followers. By our attitudes of humility, acceptance, and our acts of charity, we let people know whose side we're on. And it should be obvious to those who look at our lives. The story is told about a town in France that was liberated by our army soon after the D-Day landing. An excited old lady who had lived under German occupation grabbed her broom out of her kitchen and began walking down the street beside our soldiers through the town. Someone laughed at her and ridiculed her, asking her how many enemies she was hoping to shoot with her broom. And she replied, none. But at least the enemy is going to see whose side I've always been on. Our actions should tell us and tell others whose side we've always been on. Our deeds should shout so loudly that we belong to Jesus, so loudly that no other explanation really is needed. Jesus, are you the Messiah? He responded, look at my oneness with God and God's endorsement of me. Think about that empty tomb. Ask my sheep, they know. They're willing to sacrifice everything, even life itself for me. And then examine the deeds that I do. These testify that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the next time people want to know if you're a Christian, you can reply, look at the peace with God that I enjoy, the oneness with God in my life, Ask my fellow sheep, the other Christians who know me well, and look at my deeds, my attitudes, and my actions. These testify as to who I am and whose I am and what I believe. Amen.